Hello, and welcome to the season two finale of Something Rotten, our big miniseries on Kanan Lynch and Kanan Lynch 2 colon dog days. My name is Jacob Geller. I'm here with Blake Hester. What's up, Blake? This is definitely our first try doing this. As the show wraps up, I realize how much I'll miss Kane and Lynch as people, as friends, as lovers. I think we're all feeling that in this in this season finale where we are going to kind of talk about the the series as a whole, what we got from it. We're going to answer some some questions sent in from lovely people on Twitter and Discord and and whatnot. Um, and then at the very end of this, we are going to say what's next for something yes. rotten. So uh, stay tuned for our next series. Um, but to I guess to finish up, so so Blake, I played both of these games before we started the series. Yeah, you played them as as we did the series, including finishing you know fifteen minutes basically before recording our last podcast on it. Now that you've mm-hmm. had two weeks or whatever to kind of like settle on it do you feel like you have any thoughts that you didn't necessarily have just as you finished um what is interesting and um is i guess just by nature of having to be playing the first game at the time it was taking up a lot of real estate in my brain and almost as soon as i finished the game and then in the ensuing weeks even when i was playing the sequel it's funny how little I have thought about that first game. Just like it never happened. And then the flip side mm-hmm. of that is I, I, I so a weird comparison here. When God of War, the reboot remake came out, I played it and I was very hot on it. And my girlfriend, very big into Norse mythology. So she wanted to play God of War um, to see the, you know, the world. And I started playing it and it was very quick that I was not hot on it. It was like a complete 180, and I find that a lot. When I'm hot on something, time will make me cool on it considerably. Mm-hmm. But Kane and Lynch 2 has had the opposite effect for me, where as time goes on, I get more and more into it. I think that, I think that makes sense, because in, in something like God of War, I think, which is a game that honestly I am not a huge fan of, but but sure. the joy the joy is in playing it, and and everything in that game is so just buttery smooth, and you know everything has been kind of focus tested to like the most pleasurable gaming experience that like the fun part is playing it, whereas with with Kane and Lynch. The fun part kind of isn't playing it, you know? Like, yeah. we've talked a lot about how, how purposely not fun to play these games can be. Um, and so I think it, it, it totally makes sense that the farther you get from the experience of actually having to control it, the more you would forget about that stuff and and you would remember, you know, the kind yeah. of, like, the things of value that we've been talking about. But... It also, like, in my head feels like an extreme ramp-up and adoration of it, where when I was playing through it, I was super hot on it. I was like, this game rules. And as time has gone by, I'm like, that may be one of my favorite games of the last decade. Like, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be interested to, like, go back to it probably yeah. in, like, a year or so, 
because by then I'll have been hyping it up in my brain the whole sure. time to see if like then it can live up to the hype that I have created for it. You know, like no one else yeah. is telling me this game is awesome, but like I just had such a good experience playing it the first time that like maybe I'll just be in a different place in my life where I'm like not angry all the time and then I won't connect with it as much. Sure. Yeah, I would say my thoughts on Kane and Lynch 2 at this point are bordering on hyperbolic. I'm not sure it actually is one of the best games of the last decade, but right now, that's what my brain is telling it's, me. It's my hard heart, to say, and... Yeah. yeah, my heart is listening to my brain right now. That's. I'm glad your heart is listening to your brain. <laughs> um... So let, let's see. We got we got some. Should we just jump into questions here? Do you have any yeah. other kind of like things to sum up? Okay. Well, uh, first we've got uh, at three then guy seven who asks a very important question: Are games good? Uh, in general, video games are games good. I could take or leave video games most days. Now, in respect to the two games we have been talking about for the past five weeks. Kane and Lynch 1, objectively, no. Kane and Lynch 2, objectively, good. That's that's what we figured it out. Um, actually, I want to take... This is a little bit of a sideline, but I was listening to uh, you on Game Query talking about you guys had a thing where you're doing your hottest gaming takes, and <laughs> you had a take, which was that, oh that one... I know this is this is not me coming at you. I just think okay. it's kind of interesting okay. that, like, like... You know, your your thing was, like, game stories are kind of, even the best game story is kind of like a mediocre TV show or, or yeah. movie that, that we've been kind of so used to bad video game stories that one comes out and it's like, all right, we're like, it's the second coming. Like, you know, this yeah. is the greatest thing of all time. Uh, but you mm-hmm. also said that... Uh, that games have the capability to be the best stories um, because of kind of the the interactive elements. And I think like most of us have probably made an argument like that at some point. Um, And I kind of disagree with both of those. (laughs) Um, But I'm (laughs) I'm interested. I I mean, it's like, I I do think, I think that uh, overall you are correct in that, the in terms of like i think there are a lot of just a lot of people in general i won't even say gamers but it's like if you're only consuming kind of like the the biggest mass market stuff mm. which i really enjoy then then you might not have a sense of kind of like the heights of a medium um and yeah. so like red dead redemption 2 a game that i really like I don't think it's like one of the the greatest pieces of literature or you know kind of like these sometimes these kind of hyperbolic ways that people talk about it. Um yeah. but I think it compares really well to like I don't know the the highest earning movies, you know, that that if you were like well, do you know like my my favorite movies are I I don't want to like roast the MCU, but it is kind of the fact that like no other movies make any money. And so it's like, well, I love Marvel and Red Dead Redemption 2 is, you know, it's the greatest work of all time. Yeah. That can feel more accurate as opposed to like you know, I I love The Beginner's Guide and and you know, whatever weird ass indie movie you want to call like the height of the medium. You so know, there's there's greatness to be found on the margins. 
to unpack this take a little bit because it's simultaneously a complex take and a reductive take. Um, yes, it is. The, the, I mainly mean AAA games because, mm-hmm. by and large, those are the ones put on a pedestal. You know, for good reason. They're selling the most. They have the biggest ad campaigns. They're in your face the most. And the ones that are touted as the height of storytelling in the medium. The Schindler's List of video games, if you will. Exactly. Well, (laughs) speaking of, uh, I find even with those, the stories I like the most in those. Last of Us Part Two, for example. I've written about why that game resonated with me so much. And I liked it, uh, despite understanding why it didn't resonate with people and why they didn't like it i think even a story like that that i was very engaged with felt some emotional attachment to pales in comparison to the writing of a movie i don't really like that much which is ladybird which is also touted for its writing and story i mean that and is a really good movie that you don't like I, that much exactly I'm, I'm i'm not saying it's not a good movie i'm just saying i don't like it very much but when i think about the writings and like stories in those Somehow a middling movie for me always stands out as a better example of these things than the best video game. It's it's very it's funny that you've chosen and we will I, I am gonna bring this back to Canon Lynch, I promise. But like it's funny that your middling movie is literally like a multiple Oscar winner. Look, I went to Catholic school my whole life and it was just like I was watching like <laughs> footage of my own life in that thing. It was like a documentary. So, okay, so how so I, I guess my my question for you is, in, in terms of, and maybe there's a separation between writing and experience here. But like, if yeah. you have, my guess is that, uh, you know, you you don't you don't cry at every movie or kind of find every movie to be a, a, a metaphor for addiction, like with you, what you wrote about for The Last of Us 2. Like, if you have that experience with something, is that not inherently kind of making it a powerful story, whether or not you feel like it's yeah. kind of objectively well-written? <laughs> I hate to use objectively, but I, but I feel like you've kind of made a, a separation here between, like, what yeah. is good writing and what is writing that affects me or I would probably argue that that separation doesn't really exist. I think, I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but in regards to The Last of Us, what I took from it as this allegory for addiction, and I think I put it in my piece, was that I was projecting onto it, and I didn't think that game was trying to say that. But also, like I think my take is inherently flawed in that it's looking at these things as objective. Like, this writing in its objective form or this performance in its objective form is better than this writing and performance in this different medium. So it's a flawed argument from the get go um, Mm -hmm. that I I now have to argue in a sincere form, which is, you know, really not working out for (laughs) me. I guess it's it's good. (laughs) You go ahead. I guess it's just like, it's, and this isn't like helping my argument, but it's just something I feel. Like, when I play something, and I'm like, that is the best of this genre in video games. Mm -hmm. It's still something in me when I watch a movie, and I'm like, that was pretty good. 
I usually am like the movie is the better version of the storytelling or the book is the better version. I guess a more direct comparison is Last of Us 2 revenge movie. If you were to ask if you were to make me choose between going through the bleak revenge tale of The Last of Us 2 again or the bleak revenge tale of Sympathy for Lady Vengeance by Park Chan-wook. That like you that it doesn't Last of Us should be slapped for even thinking it's on the same pedestal as something that good in that medium telling a similar story. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, I don't think that the you are the one putting those two together. You know, I don't well, think that they, you well, know, they would say, the, like, aha, we've made something to rival. I mean, maybe sure. they would. I don't know. Druckmann is pretty uh, complimentary of his own work. But I think that also comes down to the way people talk about those two things. Like, The Last of Us 2 is considered by a lot of people, whether that's right or wrong, to be the best uh, in the medium of storytelling, right? Sympathy for Lady Vengeance in the revenge drama considered one of the best ever told. So it's like if you're throwing around the words best and they have similar themes, your brain is naturally going to compare them. And I don't think something like The Last of Us 2 even comes close to something like a Korean revenge drama. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And I think so. So we could we could for talk about this forever. That don't know. But I Hold on. For listeners that don't know, Game Query, a very crass joke podcast, and now I'm being forced <laughs> to argue for something I said I pulled out of my ass and threw into the ether that I was hoping would not come oh, back for me. No, okay, so here's the reason that I brought it up, is is that okay. this is something that I, one, I have thought about this a lot and not sure. in a way that I disagree with you. You know, the, mm-hmm. the kind of like, am I, do, do I just like love games so much that I want them to be kind of at the same level and and i'm kind of like saying that they are to make it reality even if they're not and and that's that's kind of an unanswerable question but the the second reason that i brought it up is kane and lynch 2 which is a game that both of us really like yeah and i think a game that neither of us would argue has particularly good writing i mean you know I, I i kind of don't even know what that is because there's not that much like dialogue in the game but i do think the scenarios they go through are interesting whatever how how does kane and lynch 2 exist in a larger media landscape like would you tell someone who doesn't normally play video games that this is an interesting artistic experiment or do you think it's only interesting if like us you understand the language of video games so well that you can tell when this thing is kind of doing something different. No, I think, like, I think when I talk about Kane and Lynch, too, I have to talk about it often with caveats. Like, I'll tell a friend I really like it. Like, a friend that's in the game industry be like, I really, really love Kane and Lynch, too. I think this is a great experience. And then I'll be like, you shouldn't play it. I don't think you would like this. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I do think, like, if you were to look at the game, even if you didn't have such deep knowledge of the game industry, but you knew what Mario and Fortnite and Halo and Call of Duty were, you could still look at that game and see it's doing something different and or interesting. Whether or not you're into that aesthetic is a totally different thing, and I think it's right. understandable when people aren't into it. But I do think... 
when you look at Kane and Lynch too. Like, I think if I showed it to my dad, he could identify that this is something different and it is something unique. And then it just comes down to whether or not you're into that whole thing. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good answer. And and so then, you know, it's like when you when you if, if we were to put Kane and Lynch to I don't know. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with like comparing mediums or whatever. But it's like we had we had Max Payne three, which was a game that was so clearly obsessed with movies and like wanted to be kind of seen alongside movies and so took so much language from film that it was probably to its detriment you know which is kind of the rock star story of like we want to be like a movie um and and i don't know if you know kane and lynch 2 is so obsessed with film that it, it seemed like literal film, like the mm-hmm. stuff that you record on, that yeah. it, you know, it kind of feels like it's also in that same conversation. But at the same time, it doesn't feel nearly as much like it wants to be man on fire or whatever. I I think what's interesting about Kane and Lynch, too, is what can make a bad movie with an interesting camera <laughs> idea still worth Mm -hmm. watching like like i think there was a paranormal activity that like a late paranormal activity that a lot of it or maybe the whole thing was told through like laptop skype interface or maybe i'm thinking oh that's uh unfriended okay so which actually there are a couple movies that have done that but unfriended is a good one okay so whether or not that movie is good or bad is beside the point that idea is cool you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like taking the camera and doing something radically different with it. And so when I think about Kane and Lynch too, the story I don't care about, like, it's fine. <laughs> like the story is dudes fuck up. Dudes going to run away from their problems. And that's pretty much it. And then there's some bad, like Irvine Welsh knockoff writing. <laughs> and it's, but like what that game went for and where it took its inspirations are what I find fascinating about it and what appeals to me and what I think is worth praising about this game is because a lot of games, and I think you can consider this a AAA game, like they take so much of their visual language directly from film. I think it's sometimes a problem in games, the way they try to like, people have talked about this for years with Uncharted, the way like, are you playing a game? Are you playing a movie? You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Kane and Lynch 2 takes its visual design and language from another medium but it's not movies it's something not even a ton of movies outside of found footage do which is live leak and youtube and this weird digital age we're living in where you know like there's not a there's not as big of a separation between documentarians and just normal people with an iphone anymore and like taking that language and dropping it into a video game and finding ways to incorporate it into the cutscenes and even into the gameplay, I think is what's so cool and interesting about this game. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? No, that's, I think that's a really great point. And I, I want to, there, there are kind of a couple, um, probably the, the most, uh, direct one, uh, is, is, uh, you know, Devin Raposo, who who said, you mm-hmm. know, like, what lessons can modern games learn from the Kane and Lynch series, um, and kind of in regards to the ugliness and the nihilism, should they? I think it's kind of wild, and I, and I really haven't thought about it until you just said it, that we haven't 
that almost all games are are kind of emulating film like cinema and not you know the the way that we film things in our everyday life you know the way that cell phone videos look uh and maybe it's just hard you know the the only things that i can really think of are like um like her story and telling lies Mm -hmm. you know those games that are like completely webcam uh because that is a way i am talking to you on a webcam right now like i do a lot of that in my in my normal everyday life but like i would love to see maybe it's like a like a fatal frame or something like something where you are filming seems like it could be really interesting well um what's that game called the horror game outlast Outlast. had had the kind of like camera footage thing but i do think there's an interesting separation between games like fatal frame or outlast where sometimes you look through a camera and kane and lynch in which the whole thing the whole time is through a camera and and i would love to see more like found footage-esque games i think there's a really cool interplay between those genres in respect to devin's question the nihilism and violence of it i don't think necessarily needs is something i care whether or not is adopted by other games or should have been adopted by other games i personally like that kind of storytelling i understand why people don't what i wish people would have taken from this and i don't think many have is just fucking going for it with cameras and video games like another example that comes to mind is the opening the like a uh, opening title sequence of Devil May Cry 5 and some of the stuff in Metal Gear Solid 5 where their Metal Gear Solid 5 camera is so cool. Oh my god, but I could talk about shots, that forever. They're shots that granted, I've never made a movie, so maybe I'm speaking out of my ass here. But they're shots that look impossible to make in a movie. Like you can only do it in a video game because it's not real. You know, I mean, I guess you could CG it in a movie, but you get what I'm well, saying. Well, it's a, I mean, that is a good, it's an interesting point that you bring up because that's a, that's a conversation that's had in movies a lot. You know, when, yeah. when life of Pi won best cinematography, people were like, well, there kind of wasn't even a camera because that sure. whole movie is, is completely a green screen. And so it is, you know, it is an interesting question of like, impossible camera movements but i think in games yeah. it is it is kind of cool um and that go ahead sorry uh that it like i'm really attracted to that in a video game is mm-hmm. when i'm seeing a cutscene and i'm like this could never exist in a movie outside of them cging it which you know i guess what's the separation there because the video game they're faking it and the cg they're faking but that's neither here nor there um Kane and Lynch 2, not on the same level, because it looks it, that there's no impossible shots in there. But it's trying something different Yeah, that I find fascinating, similar to something like Devil May Cry 5, where it's like, I would never see this in a movie that makes it different, and it makes it interesting to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think there's there's a really good kind of... One of, one of the reasons that we ha- have fixated on such kind of like individual points of Kane and Lynch 2's design is that it is not afraid to draw attention to itself in a way that I feel like there are a lot of games that kind of want you to not think about anything you know maybe other than maybe it's like we're trying to get all the systems out of the way and so the play experience can be as smooth as possible and like that's that's fine but I like 
I like actively thinking about an element of a game's design or aesthetic or mm-hmm. whatever. And and Kanan Lynch 2 is not trying to get anything out of the way, you know, because it's like if you got all of the if you got everything that you notice out of the way, this game would be Kanan Lynch 1, which sucks. Yeah. You know, that that yeah. has no defining features. And so, you know, the fact that they are like, not only are we making this design decision, but like, we are really going to make you notice that we're making this design decision, mm-hmm. I think is just, is, is really cool. And it's something, again, that you see way more in indies than yep. in big titles like this. Yeah. Um, Developers. Moving, moving on from that. There are there are a couple questions that kind of get at the the same the same point, mm-hmm. which is uh, Zolti Boy uh, asks if Kanan Lynch Two is so good, why isn't there a Kanan Lynch Two Two? Great question. Um, and and Emmett Watkins Jr. Um, asks, uh, why do you think games with ugly themes like this fell out of style this generation? Uh, and if games like these could make a comeback, what devs do you think could pull it off? Uh, and and these are kind of different questions, but I I have. A similar answer for both of them which is kind of that i feel like mid-budget you said this was triple a i would maybe call this double a which are all these are these are distinctions that we've made up yeah but i think that something that bums me out in games and one of the reasons why all of the potential games we've talked about for this series were kind of made between like 2005 and 2013 you know is like they're kind of don't there are not many small to mid-budget games you know that it feels like every game is either massive quadruple a the biggest thing in the world or a little indie hit and sometimes those indie hits like hit big enough to kind of yeah you know it's like fall guys you know feels like it could be a mid-budget game but really that's just a small game that got super lucky and and got big um and i feel like one of the reasons that you don't see games like this that you don't see Kane and lunch 2 too is because this takes more resources than a micro budget game but could never have the audience of a yeah. quadruple a and so then it's just kind of stuck in this weird limbo, and I feel like games like that don't really get financed anymore. Yeah, I mean, you see it occasionally. Like, the Tony Hawk remake is kind of that, and, like, Hellblade. Yeah, but that's a, that's a remake, dude. Yeah, okay, well, I guess Hellblade, you know, is kind of in yeah, that Yeah, and, and Hellblade, notably, Ninja Theory, like, called themselves double A. You yeah. know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, like, the thing they were going for. Um, you could say some of the Yakuza's that have come out recently fit in that fit somewhere in their judgment. Maybe like, maybe there's more of a space in Japanese development. For oh, kind definitely. Of, yeah, yeah. And then the kind um, of big American stuff. I think the I think you're probably spot on with um, why there was never another Kane and Lynch two. Like I don't think they ever released sales numbers for this, but the game was never gonna perform well. I mean, I know some of the IO developers have said in interviews that the game didn't do well without providing raw data, but, like, this game was never going to be a hit. Yeah. Like, no matter how good it is, no matter how much I want to praise it, I'm not dumb enough to say that this game should have been a hit because there's no universe where this game ever warranted the commercial success to see 
a Kanan Lynch well, 3. Do you think, here's a weird question, and this is probably something that neither of us have experience with, but, like, do you think that they knew that? You know, like, yeah. when they were releasing this, were they, like, we know this isn't going yeah. to sell super well, so we're just making it for us, kind of? I think so, and I, I don't know if I'm reading between the lines of a specific quote or projecting on it, but Rasmus Paulson, um, in a interview he gave, talked about how the Jeff Gersman controversy with the first game and the fact that that first game was bad kind of had a lot of people against them from the beginning. At least that's what they felt like making this game. And so they just they were like working from a deficit in that respect. So they were like, fuck it, we're just going to make this crazy thing we want to make. I think if I'm reading between the lines of what he's saying there, it's like, yeah, we know no one is going to, you know, even if the first game sold really well, no one fucking liked it. So yeah. no one's probably going to show up to buy this. Also, this whole Jeff Gersman GameSpot thing happened. So everyone on the internet fucking hates us. Right. So yeah, I think they probably made that game knowing that it was not going to be a hit. For sure. Um so so let's let's get to the the kind of second part of um of Emmett's question, which is uh devs you think could pull it off uh today. Uh you actually mentioned Ninja Theory, which is Yeah interesting you know like they they do a lot of different stuff i would kind of like to see their take on some i mean hellblade is a pretty i think we could i don't want to call hellblade a rotten game because it's really about something very meaningful but it does fall into the category of games that are deliberately hard to play you know games Um, that that aren't meant to be just like cool and fun yeah um I don't know. Like, I don't... I'm going to say this, and everyone listening is going to groan and probably turn this off, but I'd see what Naughty Dog did with it, you know? Let's see where they went with it. This is an Um, insane take. I, I, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe someone like Hangar 13, because I thought Mafia 3 was such a... Yeah. Shakespearean tale of violence that, like, maybe if you added more drama to this series like it could be really interesting to see where they took that yeah well and i think most i i've tried multiple times unsuccessfully to to play through all of mafia 3 but i think probably most people's takes would be i kind of wish this game i definitely wish this game had a smaller scope and and maybe if they had a small enough budget that they could not make it a modern open world game you know mm-hmm. that that they had to do something else, and honestly, I don't even. You know, if they had a smaller budget, maybe they would have the same genre, and it would just be worse. I I don't know. Yeah. But it would be interesting to have the the really clear you know storytelling ambition and attention to detail and like all of these cool things that Mafia Three has without having this just uh, go to all the locations yeah. on your mini map thing. Mafia Three's examination and portrayal of violence and revenge is some of the best i've seen in a big budget game and i think like their hands <laughs> I mean, on the I wouldn't wheel compare to park chan work <laughs> better than the last of us part two that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> uh the, uh pales in comparison to my man park uh but it, it would be cool to see them 
take on these because because Link and Clay is a just by video game logic justified in his violence and revenge and the game does examine how he's being destructive with that but Kane and Lynch are not justified it would be interesting to see them tackle characters on the other side of the coin because even though the game Mafia 3 you know kind of puts a magnifying glass to what Lincoln's doing you're also as the player supposed to like feel like he's on the right doing the right thing here for a lot of it and if you play Kane and Lynch 2 thinking that, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it would be cool to see them tackle that, I think. Um, so yeah. that's my answer. Hangar um, 13. Mafia 3. Then, great game. Uh, finally, uh, you know, Emmett says, what other genres could you see a game like this working in? Which I think is, mm. a, is a great question because we both of, of all three of the games we've done have been third-person gun boys. You know, that that's, yeah. that's what genre this is in. And so could... Could you see something, you know, outside of a shooter happening? Like, does this, does the game, here's, here's a question, and I, I don't think you've actually played this, but, like, could a game with this vibe exist as, like, a Disco Elysium-style, you know, CRPG? Like, where it's, where it's all writing and dialogue and, and really well-written, but all, just all of that. Where I was thinking was like a stripped down brawler so not something that's a brawler in the sense of a yakuza where there's deep like skill trees and rpg mechanics but like a hand-to-hand focused game on the scale of something like hellblade where the violence is very oh so (laughs) this is so the quiet man is what you're thinking i didn't play i didn't play that um wait but but something you do you know of the quiet man like I know the, what it is. The insane like, Square Enix, like terrible game. Is it maybe? Uh, honestly, maybe we could cover it, but like legendarily bad. I know what it is. I know it sucks, but like I think like if you just stripped away the guns and made the violence more intimate and kind of made it like a brawler, I think it would be interesting. Th- that's hold hold that thought for okay. our next series i think yeah i mean you know where this is sure. going but for yeah. for the audience well, we'll leave yeah. you leave you in suspense um cool. for that um okay so here's here's a really cool question from from mike spam which is i'd be interested in seeing you guys try and interrogate what would be necessary to have a throwback game designed to be an homage to the mid aughts mm. dark games like what you guys are covering uh, which which we have been I think struggling to answer with like what kind of dev and and what genre but like yeah are there things you know for example I have been playing through let me let me just jump off here I've been playing through Dante's Inferno which I've been uh, texting you about which is yeah. which is honestly a really cool game but I have just been thinking even though that game was not made that long ago the separation in graphical quality from then to now would make this game, I think, maybe impossible to make today because it would be literally nauseating in, like, the things that they're depicting. And I think a lot of this game... You know, Max Payne is kind of the exception because Max Payne is a very good-looking game. But just in terms of graphics, I feel like there is this kind of space where, like, they were good enough that you could accurately represent human forms. They weren't like Final Fantasy polygon, you know, characters, but they weren't so realistic that they removed all the abstraction. 
you know, yeah. that, that there is still a little distance. And I feel like that is really important to this kind of game. I think my brain took it a different way. And to make a game that works and, you know, is like something rotten season eight or whatever that we would yeah. <laughs> tackle. Stop making violence and games fun. Like something like you can tell me your game is an examination of violence all day long. But if Sun He Legend is making fucking gifs of it on Twitter, then is it, you know, because you want that violence to be cool and look cool and be I, fun. I don't know, dude. I mean, I think that dude could probably make some pretty crazy looking gifs of Kane and Lynch. Sure. Sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's these games that come out and they want to be like, Oh, this is Kratos really examining his violent past. And then, and then I play it and I'm like, yeah, but why is it, why does it feel better to do the more violent stuff in this game? I, so I, I think, I if, don't know. I think that this is maybe us stretching or I, I don't want to speak to you. I think that yeah. sometimes I say stuff like this, but then it's like Max Payne three, an unbelievably fun game. Kane sure. and Lynch 2, a big reason that I enjoyed it more than the first one is it was way more playable. Like, that it that it felt better to yeah. play. So, I I don't know, <laughs> you know, Hotline yeah. Miami, we've talked about a bunch of times. That game is really fucking fun. You know? As someone who did not feel that Kane and Lynch 2 felt good, but still loved it, part of it was not liking to play it it felt shitty it looked shitty and it felt shitty and that worked for me and i don't know if that just was because my computer sucks but like uh, granted i played it on xbox for a bit too and it felt terrible but like i don't know like okay so maybe it's not the feel of the violence but like even these games that want that like dance around as meditations on violence oftentimes still want the violence to look so cool. And Kanan Lynch 2 doesn't. Like, I never saw a violent act in that game. I was like, yeah, it's kind of cool, though. Like, when, you know, Kratos is like, I'm so sad, I'm angry. And then he rips the jaw off a werewolf, and it's like a QTE. It's like, get the, what are you, like, you're undermining your statement, in my opinion, in that way. And so to make a game that would fit the SR mold, I think you just stop like fronting this violence is bad and we're going to examine it, but it's going to look so fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? I I guess I don't know if, if I totally agree because I feel like what's sure. hanging the, the specter hanging over this conversation is last of us two, because yeah. while, while I agree that last of us two can look really cool when, when you put cool gifts of like Molotoving a dude on Twitter that's not how I think it plays. And I do think, I mean, for, for mm. me personally, playing through that game was was pretty d- stressful and miserable. And when you, when you shoot someone in the gut and they just lie on the ground and scream for like 45 seconds, like, you know, I, I think that game is trying really, really hard to not make its violence fun. And, and I kind of don't like where it lands. And so, so I feel like these games are almost less introspective. You know that they feel they they feel like they're just so kind of raw is a word that I've used 
a lot in this series, but they but they feel raw. And and Last of Us Two seems like someone like sat down for hours and was like, "How exactly are we going to make the violence not fun for the player?" You know, Ooh. and and then these games are just kind of like. I don't know. I feel like that conversation wasn't had in development. Like, I don't think Kane and Lynch 2, they were like, how do we make this not fun? It just kind of happened, you know? I think where this conversation maybe can't proceed is that I thought The Last of Us 2's combat was really fun. And, you know, I've tried to unpack why I uh, am not as bothered by hyper-violent content as I should be, and that's a whole other conversation. But, like, I feel like we're just going to butt heads right here mm-hmm. because for me, like I was mad into the combat of that game. Um, it, like it, I, yeah, I had a really good time like figuring out how to work within those combat arenas. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, because of that, and maybe this is my own fault. Like I have a similar view of that game's statement on violence that I do God of War where it's like, okay, why are you trying to tell me this? And then you make your game so fucking fun to play. Right. You know what I'm saying? That I want to kill these people. But so that may be a fault of my own there, but also in my head, we make another something rotten game, like make it suck to play. Like make that. I think, I think maybe what we're both trying to get at is, is what we would call like in a review polish, you know, that, that, the last of us two and god of war are in game terms incredibly polished games and most of the games max Payne 3 probably excluded most of the games in this category do not feel polished you know they they feel kind of kind of first takey you know that that they just like got all their ideas out of coded and then they like ended their rather than putting the layers of of playability on top of it. I I don't disagree with you, but I also don't think that's where I was coming. That's the okay. place I was coming from. It's, we we it's, are allowed to feel differently on things also. Yeah, <laughs> we sure. don't have to I, come to a conclusion. I think for me, it's more the idea that like... I'm... <laughs> sorry um i think for me it's more the idea and i'm sorry i keep using god of war and last of us part two but i'm playing god of war again right now and recently played last of us part two those games have upgrade trees you know what i'm saying like, i i agree god, with you on this get the fucking build a war. rpg shit out of here well god of war has combos and shit you know what i'm saying like last of us two has like upgrade trees that make yourself more of a fucking american badass um, shout out to Zach Frazier. <laughs> but that's like, to me, it's like, you're trying to make me a cooler killer. And in Kane and Lynch 2, I'm not upgrading my shotgun. I'm just like fucking half the time I'm running from the five guys left in a level because I'm like, fuck this. I cannot handle this. Right. I now. think that these games, here is a really specific thing that I genuinely think is important. I think when you pause these like rotten games, they should have resume and options and that's it like sure i don't i don't want fucking xp i don't want lore i don't want yeah. like extra readable shit like it's just like the game is the game and that's all there is to it and that that is something that doesn't exist anymore you know that and every that single point, game has just like upgrade trees and all that bullshit and to that point, that's what we effusively praised about Kane and Lynch 2, is it got in, got out, and didn't fucking yeah. waste your time, you know? 
So yeah. that's where I come down on it is kind of just strip all that shit back. You mm-hmm. know, what is God of War without all of that? And it's just Kratos swinging an axe. Is it something better? Does it make that statement not feel hollow and vapid? What is The Last of Us Part 2 if I can't set booby traps around a level and want to share videos of my best kills? Yeah, I mean, what are both of those games if they're not 30 hours long? Oh, God, yeah, God of War. (laughs) I would say better. (laughs) but God of War especially. Oh, my Lord. Let's Um, play God of War on Season 4. So I think I think we've answered there are, there are certainly more questions here and you've got this this drive doc as well so tell me if there are any that you really want to answer I feel like a lot of them on kind of like Kanan Lynch's influence and 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 like you know if Kanan Lynch 3 was going to happen what would you want are kind of things that we've touched on throughout the series um is yeah. there is there anything here that you want to you know that you want to dive into I would like to do the two I think we have left Um, because I was trying to think today, like, are there any games that Kane and Lynch directly influenced and outside of like Hitman Absolution? I came up a little empty on that. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Hotline Miami games, but I don't know. I, I swear to God, I can't believe that I can't remember this. I was watching something where where like it was a dev talking and they listed this as a like that Kanan Lynch 2 was they had just kind of like here are the games that influenced our style and Kanan Lynch 2 was one of them but I can't remember what it Hmm. was here's a weird fact this was on the Wikipedia the producers were sued at a court in Beijing for vilifying the Chinese people oh well I mean, well, I mean that, that kind of thing seems to happen with depictions of China a lot. Um, I do think that this game is kind of tourism in a place that you can kill a different race. You know, we haven't we haven't sure. talked about it that much, but like, y- you know, it it does seem like what they wanted to do was. Uh, make a game where the character was out of their comfort zone and like Max Payne 3 they chose to do that by putting you around making you a white guy and putting you around a bunch of not white guys I'm not I'm not trying to excuse or sidestep this conversation with Kane and Lynch too but I think like if we unpack that you have to unpack so many video games and we kind of did that with Max Payne 3 like you have to examine the Far Cry series and oh yeah I mean and and I will, you know, that's something. And, sure, and, and we sure, talked, sure, sure. we also talked about this uh, last week, but it, it is, you know, as I think it is silly for China to sue um, IO, but I, but I don't think that there's nothing to the fact that this game is, yeah. is just kind of like murder tourism. Sure. You want to do the last question? I liked it. So if Kane and Lynch 3 were going to happen, this is from Brett Owen. Oh no 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 no! My bad. We we who would you oh. want making it? What would you want them to achieve? We already answered that. Yeah. Um, I meant does the morbidity of Kane and Lynch add or take away from the gameplay design? Because I don't know. If you would have asked me last week, maybe I would have said the morbidity is crucial. But now that I'm sitting here today, I'm like, I I think my love of this just comes from the camera. That's a 
that's really that's I I think that's apt, you know, because I would have said like, no, this game's got to be violent. But I feel like here's here's a kind of crazy comparison. I think that that Kane and Lynch two has a lot of vibes in common with um, Uncut Gems. Oh sure, you know sure, that sure, it sure, that sure, it sure, feels sure. completely chaotic and and unhinged and like you're just hanging on. Uncut Gems does not have that much violence, you know. Maybe it's got more. It's, maybe to your point, maybe more good time. I haven't I haven't seen Good Time, so I uh, I okay. can't make that comparison. But but uh, what I think the you know my point in bringing that up was that Uncut Gems to me feels like a very violent movie. But in reality, there are not that many scenes of violence, you know, and Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, that is certainly not a game in which the hundreds of people that you kill in Kane and Lynch, you know, are are necessary. And so, yeah, maybe you could, if you just made a game with this camera and the kind of series, like the, the... the vibe of like panic and the series of unplanned mm-hmm. events that unfold in Kane and Lynch. Yeah. I think, I think you could actually achieve a, a similar effect. Sure. Um, I do also think this game style, like just invites morbidity and works within it. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. if, if they shot this game and it was scenes of birthday parties and people being stoked, it wouldn't work. But like when you see this game's aesthetic, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. But when you see this game's aesthetic and you're watching intense violence, like it does make sense to you. But I, I don't know that like, like, I think you have a really good point that if this game was like, telling a similar story to uncut gems, like, I think it would still work. I don't know. And, and, also, it depends on how you define, you know, an easy way to define morbidity is like literal body count. But I think that you could also probably say that Uncut Gems is a, is a lot about kind of like who gets to live sure. and die. And so, you know, you could yeah. probably still have those themes and maybe that would, you know, it's it, it's hard to know exactly how how to take the, the phrasing of this question. I feel like it's always going to be about disconnection and death uh but it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to involve the kind of video game language of mow down 400 sure. dudes yeah and i think but also like it does work for this game i would say it doesn't necessarily add or take away from it it just it works and it is what it is and there's plenty of other ways you probably could have done this in a less violent game right jacob doing a cool. big yawn I, I did a big yawn so i think <laughs> I think I am happy with with the questions we've answered. I think we have probably covered these games more in depth than anyone else on the planet at this point. I'm, um, I'm so bummed we're moving on and we can't use our theme song anymore. That's a, that's a great... Well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe we'll just stick with it because I can't think of much music from the next game. Um, and Blake, you want to you wanna tell us what that next game games are going to be? Condemned, baby, Criminal Origins, and Bloodshot. Games I've wanted to play for a decade or more and never have, so I'm excited. Yeah, so we're we're dipping into horror uh, because we're I... going to do Condemned Criminal Origins and I don't mean to pre- Condemned Bloodshot. I don't mean to pre-take, but I think I already have a, a, a take brewing about this game and something I'm not going to like oh. about it. 
Okay. You know, I'm not I'm not going to put that on the episode, but I I've done some research about this game, looked into what it's about, and I'm like, "Ooh, I hate that big time." So, we'll see. But, well, yeah, yeah, I've played the original Condemned once when I was a kid. Um, and then I started playing Condemned 2, and I remember finding it too scary to continue, and I, like, didn't finish it. Uh, so I'm excited to do that. Uh, just, just for some logistics, uh, the first one is available on Steam. The second one is backwards compatible on Xbox, according to Blake. Uh, it is not anywhere on PC, so I am going to attempt to emulate it, uh, and I guess I'll update everyone on how that goes. Mm -hmm. And for the sake of listeners um this will not be coming out the following week after this episode yeah we're gonna um, we're gonna take a little break we're gonna chill out for a while which is i mean it's how we did max Payne. between mm -hmm. we took some time between max Payne and kane and lynch so that's probably how something rotten will just operate in the future we'll do a season month or two off do another season um but yeah i'm excited I'm sure it'll be five episodes I'm sure we can find some cool guests you know who i think loves that first game who's that Leo Vader. Hoo-hoo! Let's fucking Video go, essay extraordinaire. Leo yeah. Vader. Um, and so he's something rotten, I'll tell you what. Well, I, I can't endorse that view. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Blake, thank you for, for being with me through this weird and, and frequently really frustrating video game series i mean we have talked almost yeah. exclusively about canon lynch too because guess what canon lynch one fucking sucked and and yeah. neither of us enjoyed it or really have anything else to say on it i think yeah don't i, I like it's a forget it's a game so bad it's forgettable which makes it worse you know like it's not even bad in the way that i'll remember it yeah which it's just it's nothing on on one of my favorite podcasts blank check they use the phrase a movie that does not exist for like a movie that came out and then just has made no cultural impact and doesn't mean anything to anyone and while Kane and Lynch too I think had a a, a large if kind of uh, subtextual impact Kane and Lynch one doesn't exist and no one ever I think would reference that as like a formative game for them hey really quick i just checked twitter we had two come in uh tapery asks have you decided what you're doing for season three yes we're doing condemned one criminal origins and condemned two bloodshot but we have one last question here from brutus beefcake oh this is, is a big there question. any real artistic value to the murdered girlfriend trope i think um we can we can answer this fairly we can we can put this one to bed um sure it, it, it i i don't want to give the impression that i never think it's okay to kill, kill a girlfriend in a in a piece of fiction you know like my my criticisms uh, of the trope are not to that um they are more so that um it in these games the the trope is only ever you know the trope is motivational for the dude you're playing as do you know the and, and the kind of there there are two ways that violence against women happens in these games and it's either to make the main character motivated or it's just to inform you that a place is bad uh it's kind of women as set dressing as i think the uh how how anita sarkeesian has has referred to it where it's like 
it's not saying that the violence is good, but also the only reason we're murdering this lady is to is to show you that this is a bad place to be. Um, and yeah. so, you know, just kind of like being a little more thoughtful with uh, what you are doing to your characters uh, and and making people characters um, might is might. Yeah. Might surprise no one listening to this show, but all the games we're playing, written and directed by men. <laughs> Shocker. Um, yeah, Let's so, wrap it up. you know, that's it. That's it. My name's Jacob Geller. You can find me on Jacob Geller at Twitter and on YouTube. That's me. Blake, how about you? Metallica's Brad on Twitter, where I'm dropping all my hot yeah. talk takes. Got a 30,000 plus word article dropping in November. Check me out then. Woo-woo! All right, that's it. We're done, baby. Season two, something rotten. Thanks for listening. Keep on rotting in the new world. Jeffrey Kieschlich, Jeremy Bull, J.V. Gwaltney, Jill Grote, and Kenneth Shepard for supporting Something Rotten at $10 and or above on Patreon. If you would like to support the show and get episodes early, you can do that at patreon.com slash Blake Hester.